to really see Europe, go when others don't and fly there with Aer Lingus. Our European sale is full of amazing off-season deals to over 20 European cities like Paris, London, Amsterdam and Dublin. Book today at aerlingus.com. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's Tuesday, November 6th, and this is an NFL podcast. I'm Doug Norrie, and I'm with Chris Durrell out there in Canada, but he's about to make a trip to Phoenix for NASCAR. We can talk about that in a second, but this is a football podcast, so we'll get to the NFL first. Uh, DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site, DFSR.com, if you'd like to type in less keystrokes on your keypad or your keyboard or whatever the hell you call it these days, DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you a free seven-day trial to our projection system. That's going to cover you for the rest of football season. Uh, it's going to cover you for NBA as well, optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. It's going to get you into premium chat, some premium content, all the stuff that we have offered up on the site. So dfsr.com slash deals gets you going. Buddy, week nine – well, I'm going to get to your NASCAR trip in a second because I think that's important. But uh, week nine in the NFL, I hate to like start every one of these recasts be like, well, it was a crazy week. Um Kind of wasn't all that crazy, I guess, like from a running back standpoint, we could talk about that. But your overall thoughts, uh, like did anything similarly change your opinion on anything this week? I know it's a kind of a broad question. Uh, and then we can get into some of the individual performances and maybe what we can learn. But overall, this week, every week in football is crazy. Did you think this one was kind of status quo or do you, or do you think that like it kind of changed your mind in anything? It was pretty status quo, but the thing that really got me, I guess, looking at it um, once everything's over, you know, watching the individual games is like, oh, that changes my perception. But after looking at it as a whole now, um, going back and, and checking everything out as a whole, I guess the one thing that stands out to me the most is, like, my power rankings of the top four teams. Before, it was like, well, the Rams are the clear number one team in the league. Well, New Orleans went, um, they were at home, so it could have been different, you know, if, if the roles were changed and the Rams were at home. But New Orleans shut down Gurley. Um, he had like 68 yards or 63 yards rushing and only like, I think like 11 or 12 yards receiving. So they completely shut down Gurley. They give up a lot of yards through the air, um, which that's kind of what the Rams turn to. And that's where the Saints have been down. Um, so, but the Saints overall look good. They got their big three back in action. Kamara, Thomas and Breeze all went off together. And that kind of changed my perception of the best teams in the league. Like right now, my, my rankings are KC, New Orleans, Rams, and New England would be my top four. Um, so what, what's, I guess I wanted to ask you, what is your top four? Because I think those four teams are, are clearly ahead of the rest of the league right now. And that's kind of the, – the Saints are close to the number one, but I still think the Chiefs are number one for me. Chiefs are number one for me. I t- you know it's crazy, and I know this doesn't make a lot of sense coming after the week. I'd still take the Rams over the Saints. I, I know they lost. Um, I know there's. I-, I get that part of it. It's one game, and we had the best way to determine some of these matchups. So I'm totally and completely and 100 percent aware of that. So I no one need to like flame me in the comments about like not understanding that fact and the context behind this. Now it's gonna. The context behind this it matters. Maybe it's maybe it's just more of a tie for me then, because I think the home field advantage mattered. I think the Rams did get screwed out of a couple calls that kind of did tilt the game a little bit and made this made the overall score look a little further away than it really should have been. I know the Saints ended up winning by ten. That to me struck me more as possibly just a one score game. Like it, if you if you take away some of the calls that kind of happened near the end of the game, I think on the season I think I'd still take the Rams like I think if we I think if we if we walk this game back into LA the Rams win this game I don't know I, am I crazy I thing that I, and I actually think the, the the Patriots 
<laughs> the, it's funny, the Patriots. The Patriots might be number two by themselves. Like, this is a team that struggled at the beginning of the year. They've had no issues. This is, again, it's year infinity with the Patriots where, oh, something looks wrong. Brady's messed up. The personnel isn't weird. This team, it just, like, doesn't matter. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Run all the running backs down? F it, dude. Cordero Patterson's the running back. He's good. You know, six yards of carry. <laughs> You're good. Uh, James White, like, just catch a bunch of balls out. Oh, Chris Hogan stinks now? No problem. We have Josh Gordon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the Patriots, it's just every single year with this. They just need to get to, like, week nine and make all their adjustments. And now they just look, again, like a great team. Like, I, I think the Chiefs are still clearly number one. But it, for me, it's very close in that group, that, th- that group of three afterwards where it could probably just change week to week going forward. Yeah, I agree. And even watching Twitter while that New England game was on, people talking about Brady washed up. He had, like, six straight incompletions. And, oh, he's done. And then, boom, there he goes. He takes off. And, like, they came into the week winning five straight. They've now won six straight. So, yeah, they're in uh, they're in full mode. And some of the guys that were supposed to be there for them making an impact start of the season are no longer there. And it just blew me away that, oh, we'll just throw, yeah, like you said, throw Cordero Patterson in there. And, oh, look at him. He just rushes down the field like nothing, scores a touchdown when James White gets hurt. And then they even use him in the second half when James White comes back. So just crazy. So I agree with you that it's KC1 and then the next three. Are, it's pretty darn close to me. All right, let's go through some of these quarterbacks. I have some questions for you on your opinions on some some quarterback play for me has not changed. I mean, we get the guys who are pretty much similar week to week. We get the Matt Ryans and, I don't know, Drew Brees is basically the same if they're going to be throwing the ball. But a guy – okay, so Patrick Mahomes. What do we do with Mahomes at this point? I, I've been low on his projection just about every single week, so I'm going to take the full loss on him. Uh, I was kind of like – I was just calling people's reaction to him just completely crazy to start the year. Full L for me on Mahomes, no problem. And I get so worried about playing this guy every week because, I mean, this week they're 17-point favorites. Uh, like, yeah. I just don't even – you know, I was writing up the – starting to write up the cash game picks for, for this week, and I'm looking at Mahomes, and I'm looking at Hunt, and I'm like, yes, they're amazing. Yes, they just score a gajillion fantasy points every single week. He does it on, like, no attempts. 32 attempts this week, 27 fantasy points, easily the lowest of the top scores. I mean, what do we do with projecting the, the Chiefs at this point because – it's like they, they don't even need a lot of touches. They score so many points. I'm just all thrown off. I, I'm all thrown off about what to do with this team, especially if they can consider it safe for something like cash games going forward. Yeah, like you said, he's not. He's only once thrown for 40 attempts. That was against Denver, uh, I believe, in like week four. He had 45 attempts. Other than that, he hasn't hit the 40 mark once. But he's got eight straight games of 300-plus yards. He's got four straight games of three-plus touchdowns, and he's done that seven times this season. And some of these games, like there was the Denver game, the San Francisco game, um, Cincinnati, and then the Denver the second time, they were big favorites. I mean, not as big favorites as this week, but they were big favorites in those games, and he's still hitting value every single week, even with his price going up. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. Um, he brings so much value to these other guys in the lineup. Uh, Tyreek Hill, even Hunt throwing him the ball, like that 50, I think he had a 50-yard reception was his first touchdown this past week. He, you know, it's hard to maybe put him in lineups this week with his, you know, his price gone up a little bit again in a 17-point favorites. I'd rather lean Hunt, I guess, in this matchup over Mahomes this week, but it does make projections hard. I can't imagine um, what you and James go through, um, you know, even Sunday morning kind of thing, even Saturday afternoon type thing, trying to get a projection in for him when they're such huge favorites, and, you know, you wouldn't think that the game script is going to go very good for him. Well, the so, other thing that like uh, that that I found that I'm just like, well, this isn't sustainable. And like the the, the thing that I've thought I've thought two things are completely unsustainable for him this season, and he's been able to basically sustain both. One is the yards per attempt. Like the yards per attempt, he and Goff are 
easily, easily lapping the field on this stat. I guess Matt Ryan's not too far away from them, but he's over nine yards per attempt. Goff's at nine point six one, and then the touchdowns at twenty nine touchdowns. You know, as as the season's gone on, I'm like you can't just continue this many yards through the air on this few attempts, and then he also just can't continue this many touchdowns on this few attempts, and. And that just it just keeps sustaining week after week after week. So that's the other problem too. When you look at historical numbers on some of these stats, the yards per attempt we're just we're starting to stare at guys who just have not really done this before. And it's the incremental change in our projections is always is on this kind of thing is almost always going to be too slow. I'll just admit it. Like it'll just I was talking about this in basketball the other night too. It's like when there's been crazy stuff that you just don't really see, especially compared to especially if they compare the guy to themselves. But it's just it, it, you have to change these things incrementally. And if something's an outlier, the incremental changes usually aren't going to be fast enough to fully catch up. And I recognize that's probably just more of a problem with our system. What about some of these other quarterbacks, though? Like, we saw Mullins come in for San Francisco. Fitzpatrick kind of like doesn't matter who's who's quarterbacking Tampa Bay at this, at this point. They just lose, but the quarterback throws for a ton of yards and points. Um, how much do you trust these guys going forward? Their prices are still kind of down. Has anything changed your opinion about them uh, after you know pretty big fantasy weeks? Yeah, I do like Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's going to get the yards, like you said, and not so. The thing that wasn't so tilting was Fitzpatrick. He was sixteen percent owned in Fanduel tournaments, and he was in the winning lineups. But the other side of it is what was really tilting. Um, I mean, like I remember you said in chat, imagine having Carolina thirty-five points at half. Would you want to play their quarterback? Well, especially when that quarterback's Cam Newton. You're, oh, you're by the right, way, that quarterback had accounted for a hundred percent of their touchdowns in the season. Like he had not been. He'd either thrown them or run them himself. Like he, he was for every single touchdown Carolina had scored this season on the offensive end. Cam had a part in it until, I mean, Alex Armstrong. Crazy week. Curtis Samuel. Are you kidding me with these guys? Like I was, I, I was as close to breaking something as I usually don't get too crazy mad uh, on a certain outcome. And the Armha followed by Curtis Samuel touchdowns for Carolina had me pretty, pretty close to the break. But I know you've been a huge Cam believer, though. I mean, does this game affect your? decision making on him going forward uh just in terms of like having a high upside fantasy quarterback not really he still got there um on FanDuel for sure with 21 21.2 points he still hit cash value um for me like two and a half times value so I was pretty happy with it for cash at the end of the day it was pretty I was sweating pretty hard uh you know going into the second half there but he did end up getting those two touchdowns and 250 yards passing and he still rushed for 33 yards he picked up some rush yards in the second half there so uh, not really. Um, he still pretty much does it all. His shoulder injury, I mean, he's got that, that new, I think that was two years ago, NFL changed that questionable tag thing. Um, so everyone in the league is pretty much questionable. So I never really worry about that with Cam. Um, they kind of, he's kind of like the Peterson. They don't really, they don't really run him a lot in practice, you know, right. work him a whole bunch. So they kind of give him that time off there. So not really worried about him that much going forward. That kind of seemed like an outlier game. Like that Curtis Samuel run, I was watching NFL Network last night and for him to go that 32, 33 yards, he ran 105 yards, and yeah, there was, was like 10 missed tackles. Uh, it was it was it was it was unbelievably maddening. I was I'd never root for guys to get tackled like that, because I usually don't care. And I'm like, oh, tackle this guy! Like, oh, come on, what are we doing yep. here? Do not let this guy score. Any other quarterback? Uh, any other quarterback play before we get into some of the other positions? Quarterback play stand out to you from week nine? No, that was pretty much it. Everything else kind of worked out. I guess the way we had planned, you could say like Goff, like I said, they shut down Gurley. So Goff ended up throwing um, almost 400 yards and three touchdowns. And that usually happens when teams really put an emphasis. You get those good teams that are good against the run that are going to game plan against Gurley. Goff's going to get his. Um, I was kind of surprised to see Cup 
maybe not at 100% get back in there and, and crush it. Um, other than that, uh, last night, Marcus Mariota looked pretty good. I mean, he didn't attempt 30 uh, passes. He was 21 for 29, but 72% of his passes. And and I guess the biggest thing of the last night's game was Tennessee um, just shutting Dallas down, shutting Ezekiel Elliott down. So that was that was something to see as well. Yeah, Dallas is just a joke. They need to fire the coach. They're clueless. They don't know what they're doing on offense. They have, they're playing a game like it's still like the mid-90s. I, I don't know what their plan is. They don't seem to have a plan. They bring in, they bring in Cooper. They're still just running you know, run, run, pass, punt kind of bullshit, and they just can't seem <laughs> yeah. to – they just can't seem to innovate in any clear way. And I get that you have, like, a joke of a GM and a complete joke of a coach. At some point, something's going to need to change. They have the talent that this, this kind of game surely shouldn't be happening for them, um, and they just really can't do it. On the running back – tip here though you really couldn't mm-hmm. you you were fine no it didn't matter which combination of expensive running backs you paid i mean i guess Gurley kind of didn't get you there but these other expensive running backs this week hunt camara uh, mccaffrey even james connor and uh, in, in arguably the worst matchup uh, of the group they all got there on their fantasy price is this that that hunt camara mccaffrey connor group and then i'm gonna throw i'm gonna keep Gurley in there as well uh, is this just the group going forward? A lot of these guys are in great spots again this week, spe- spe- specifically Hunt, Kamara, and Gurley as favorites or thin spread high, uh, uh, thin spread high over under games. Where do you kind of rank these guys going forward? And um, is is are we in a situation now where when it comes to running back, we just need to kind of bend over backwards to spend up for the three three of the most expensive guys? Yeah, paying up for running back sure seems to be uh, the way to go. And the thing that I that stood out to me the most when I was running like my running back touch share sheet. Um, is that there was only after a week where we've seen seven running backs with 20 plus carries we're back down to there was only three running backs that had uh, 20 plus carries last week and I mean Frank Gore was one of them I didn't expect it really from James Conner he really his performance really stood out to me the most this week on the good side of things just because he's had since he played Baltimore back at the end of September where he only had nine carries for 19 yards coach came out and said we need to get him the ball more he's had 19 or more carries in four straight weeks and 100 plus yards and six touchdowns in the yeah. last four weeks so he's been really impressive and doing that against baltimore in baltimore was really impressive so i mean I, they're not worried about love bell coming back or not um it sounds like he probably is that kind of um tweet that he sent out yesterday goodbye miami or whatever whatever the hell he said on his twitter account there so he's probably coming back but I can see them just putting him on the bench, you know, giving him five to ten touches a week. That's about it for, you know, right. the coach kind of came out and ranted a little bit about him. But ranking these running backs going forward, I think he's still got to have Gurley number one by far. He's right behind Mahomes for me in the MVP voting at this time. Um, Hunt, I think Hunt really matters on game flow. Uh, if they're going to be up, he's going to get his carries. He does catch the ball very well, don't get me wrong there. But it seems like in shootouts, um, it's more Kelsey Hill that they like to get more involved. So I really like him this week. And then you got Melvin Gordon. He came back. He looked good. And then you got Alvin Kamara, who just, I mean, he had 19 carries this week. Just Ingram, after that game, he came back. It's like they just wanted to make him feel good, <laughs> like he was a part of the team. And then they've just been kind of shutting him out. And, and Kamara just looks amazing. Some of the someone compared him to Lev Bell just with his patience behind the line that one mm-hmm. run where he just kind of like stopped and waited for everything to set up and then ran it in for a touchdown it was just pretty much amazing Barkley I think now for me and even Ezekiel Elliott a little bit just because you mentioned the coaching stuff with Dallas but Barkley it just he just seems like he's at the top of the next tier just because the Giants are like never winning a game yeah they um, stink they're always the behind yeah. <laughs> he's good he's he's more of a guy I look at on DraftKings just because he's going to get five to ten targets every single week 
Yeah, no. So Kamara, I was you know spent some time looking at these running backs this morning, trying to decide what to look for this going this week. I still think I'm with you on Gurley. I think he's a ten point favorite at home. Uh, you know the fact that he actually didn't even touch the ball a crazy amount last week probably only helps him. There's, he's still very much just the only plan. Uh, you know, with Kamara, the, the good thing you'd like to see about Kamara is in leverage spots. He is just the guy. Like they, you know, he was the goal line back when when they were down mm-hmm. and close. He scored a one yard touchdown run. Uh, if they're playing from behind, he's going to be the guy. But if they're playing from ahead and the game's close, he's going to be a guy. And I think that's the key. Ingram did fumble last week. I thought that was going to be the end. The last we saw of him after he fumbled, he did end up coming back and played one more series after that. But the fact that because the only thing that concerns me is a little bit is that Kamara and Kamara's running back touches were like forty one to thirty four on, on a snap count to Ingram. That is. Easily the worst among this group, like the Hunt Gordon kind of group mm-hmm. that you want to see. And they've also made it clear that when he's on the field, their goal is to get him the ball. And when the game is close or or they or they want to maintain something, he's going to be the guy as well. So I think he's probably still a little underpriced. Uh, in terms of twenty yard rushing games, Gordon has not t- Gordon has not touched the ball twenty yard has not had a twenty yard rushing game yet this season. No, um, I don't know what to make of that. Austin Eckler is still there, but that, the snap count wasn't an issue really for him last week. Um, I don't know if they eventually could get him there, but the fact that he hasn't touched over it yet this season has me a little concerned. And actually, one guy that I, one guy that I think is so funny, Nick Chubb. <laughs> Man, I'll, yeah. I'll, hand, I'll hand it to the Browns. They, they stay consistent in two ways. They lose, and their running back gets a lot of carries, no matter if they're winning <laughs> or losing. Like, the guy carried 22 times, they're getting killed. I, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. If that's the case, uh, Chubb seems like – is Chubb like almost close to an elite touchback just because – the guy can carry 22 times when you're losing by double digits. What what happens if the Browns, God forbid, they end up winning a game? And he's he's cheap, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see him with upside of, you know, 25 to 30 touches um, if if they're ever going to – I don't think they're gonna. it's going to happen this week against Atlanta. But, again, Atlanta's been, you know, not great. I think they're bottom five in the league against the rush. Um, all fantasy points, rushing yards, all those kind of things put together – and the and I kind of mentioned it uh, a little bit in chat last week that the fact that the the new offensive coordinator was the former running backs coach was really good for him, um, and they want to get him the ball. I mean, they got the the GM went out and traded Hyde to say, okay, you're going to play Nick Chubb now. <laughs> this right. is the guy we want to be our lead back. So the fact that he's got 18, 18, and 22 carries, and now it gets probably his best matchup um, out of the last three three four weeks for sure. He, and at his price, I just think he's. He's still got cash value against Atlanta this week. That's what I mean. I wrote him up as a cash game play. I think you need to consider yep. him. I think there in, in in the NFL where the ball can bounce right, you know, can bounce in your direction every once in a while. The fact that if if have I mean if any way the Browns could just get up early against this team, I think we could see twenty five carries out of this guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the, if the floor is twenty carries when you're losing, then I think you have pretty significant upside. Let's finish this off with some of the receivers. Uh, Corderell Patterson counts as a receiver. I, I don't think it's going to end up mattering for him because I think Sony Michelle is going to come back next week. Though, nice on him for to be able to figure out that like, hey, hey, other teams that couldn't figure out a way to ever keep you, eh, we'll turn him into something that like it looks like he has fantasy and, and real world relevance. In terms of the targets, really kind of saw a drop off in overall target share this week when it comes to the, came to the wide receivers. Michael Thomas had the huge game. No other receiver t- topped over twelve targets. Uh, what, anything stand out to you from a receiver standpoint? Um, not a ton of big games through the air outside of Michael Thomas. Uh, Maurice Harris for Washington kind of stood out for me. Don't, don't even get <laughs> me started it. with that guy because I, <laughs> we were so bullish on his targets for like two and a half, two consecutive weeks, and he didn't do a thing. So I'm watching him catch balls, and I just was so tilted because I was like, 
Where was this like the three, the two weeks we played this guy? Yep. Like minimum thing. Anyway, keep going. We have more. I mean, do you think that's sustainable? Because I'm, I'm, no, I'm tilted on the on the, the the previous stuff that I'm just like this is a one and done kind of thing. No, um, the couple other things that stood out to me, especially at the top tier. Um, first of all, Julio Jones finally scored a touchdown. Hooray Hey-o. for that! Yeah, um, it was an amazing touchdown too. Like he he caught it on a screen and then he broke it and then he broke a tackle. I think it was like six yards in and he carried that guy to the end zone. Like his will to want to score that touchdown was pretty amazing to watch. And then the other thing was Antonio Brown. Just I mean, he only caught five of his eleven targets, forty five percent. So he's still hovering around that fifty percent catch rate this season. Is just pretty tilting and on those 11 targets five catches he only had 42 yards he did score a touchdown to kind of help you get there um i was kind of on him as a gpp pivot same with uh, julio a little bit but then the other guy thielen just didn't come close to breaking the record uh detroit really put the hammer down and double covered him like pretty much every time he only seen seven targets 22 yards he did score that touchdown which was nice to see if you were using a lot of thielen last week as well so him and brown kind of disappointed a little bit but I guess, you know, going back to the running back side of things for a minute, a little bit tilting as well. I know i seen you in chat is Dalvin Cook. Um, we oh. didn't really know what was going to happen all week, and all of a sudden he comes back. He breaks that 70-yard run. He is obviously 100% healthy. He touched, I believe it was 22.07 miles an hour on that run. I was looking, checking out the next-gen stats. That is the fastest any player has broke on, I think it was over a 20-yard uh, run or catch-and-run kind of thing in the season. That's the highest speed anyone has reached this whole entire season. So I couldn't believe I think he he's caught. 100% I, healthy. It was a miracle that he didn't score a touchdown. I, like the, <laughs> yeah. He looked like Half he was just line. completely gone. They got the right angle on him at the last second, but... I, I thought for sure. Well, the thing with Minnesota was, the problem was, if you played Minnesota in fantasy, which we did, we had some Thielen, some Latavius Murray this week, the Kyle Rudolph as well. It wasn't even that the offense was bad. They just couldn't they couldn't get the ball. Like, the Detroit completely controlled the time of possession, like 35. To, they had, it, was, it was some crazy number. Detroit held the ball forever. It didn't do a thing with it. Mostly they were just getting sacked and then running the play clock down to one before they run, run the next play, before Stafford would get killed again. So it wasn't even like the overall offense was bad. They just... They just never touched the ball. They just couldn't. They couldn't get enough snaps into to really hit value. Actually, and while we're on that game, what do we make of of Detroit here? They, I, I was bullish on the wide receiver, the wide receiver core with Galladay and Jones. They just couldn't have looked worse. I, like they just couldn't. I mean, is this the situation where we want to be overly, overly correct on some of these guys? Jones was decent. Galladay was non-existent. Uh, they threw the running backs a lot. What do we do? Did the Golden Tate thing end up not mattering? Is the offensive line too bad? Like, what do we do with the Detroit thing? They looked as bad as about as bad as you can ever look in a football game. See, and I think a lot of people are going to see that recency bias and maybe avoid those two receivers going forward, especially against a tough Chicago defense. Chicago hasn't been that; they've been better against the run than the pass. And then the other thing that stood out to me when breaking that down and saying, "Why did this happen?" It, it kind of seems like an anomaly for me because Detroit's offensive line, when looking at like adjusted sack rate and stuff like that, they ranked top 10. Their offensive line was top 10 in the league going into that game. So the fact they gave up 10 sacks was just crazy to me that that actually happened. Um, I mean, Minnesota, they don't really need to send linebackers to get to the quarterback. They have a pretty darn good offensive line or defensive line, sorry, edge rushers to get in there um, and, for, and you know, pressure the quarterback. But Detroit was, a, like I said, a top 10 team in adjusted sack rate offensive line on the season. So that I think maybe for a GPP spot, you can jump on Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, whose prices are going to go down. I haven't really checked uh, 6200 and 5800 on FanDuel this week. I think they're going to be lower owned just because they burned so many people last week. 
Yeah, Galladay, I hate to like be the, oh, if only this one thing had happened, this well would have been better. Galladay, Stafford just flat out missed him on a go route. That was bad. Um, and he just threw the ball over the wrong shoulder and out of bounds. Like, he was wide open that even a ball underthrown would have probably had him in the end zone because there was just nobody behind. He was just, he had broken free behind the D-back, and Stafford just missed him because he was sort of like rolling out. Again, these things can happen to anybody in football, so I, I hate to like put that onto his projection. Really, the bigger problem with Galladay was he just didn't see any targets. He just, the, the Stafford was really never. No time. Way. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's the other thing too, no time. So it's, I'm a little worried going in. Like if I wish, this would be a week where they were just playing like even a middle tier defense. I'd be a little bit, I'd be, a, I'd be, I could talk myself back into it about no, not overreacting. The Bears are just such a good defense that that's the only, that's my really, my kind of, my only issue with them. But, by the way, I'm going to switch gears here for one second to another, to talking about, a crazy game. Did you see Mike Evans' stat line for this week? Oh, that was the last thing I had on my list here. <laughs> okay, ten, ten, ten well, targets. We'll end it on this. One catch. Ten targets, one catch, sixteen yards. I, I he, I do not. Well, oh, I can't. I, now I'm forgetting the name of the cornerback. Uh, Washington. Oh, shoot. I, I'll, you know, uh, you yeah. talking. I'll, you talking offline. Who was covering him? But um, Evans. What do we do with a game like that? Obviously, it's kind of the opposite of these guys we're talking about. Great target share. And just simply couldn't even do a thing with it. Is he a guy do you feel comfortable like, keeping a bullish projection on, or have we just seen too much inconsistency in terms of Evans's ability to complete? Because this has been sort of an issue for him for his career. He just he sometimes just goes through stretches where he can't convert a target. No, that's uh, you know I talked about it earlier in the season. While it was kind of surprising that he'd never had over a sixty percent catch rate in his career, he's always sitting around that fifty to fifty five, fifty six percent range. And he was like at seventy four percent in the season. Like, do we use this guy in cash games? Right. Well, over the last few weeks, he's he's really regressed back to his mean. Like what we've seen over the course of his career, he's back down to sixty point three percent for the season. He's got the yards. Um, he's got five. Uh, was he got four touchdowns this year? So that's kind of been down a little bit. I think he's GPP only going forward. I mean, they're in a high passing offense, so the upside is most definitely there. But the downside is also there, um, and that really kind of sends me in the direction where some of these receivers who are up and down like that, you can really take advantage of the other receiver on the other side and use him as a pivot away from some of the high ownership guys, the names that we know, like Mike Evans. For instance, uh, Adam Humphreys was in the winning lineup that I'm looking at on FanDuel this week at 0.8%, and he scored 25 fantasy points because Evans just couldn't catch a ball. Yeah. Um, hey, look, by the way, this is what's going to happen when you switch quarterbacks back and forth during the season. Like, it's very hard to maintain consistency in the passing game when you just can't decide on who your quarterback is. And it's a sign of a bad team to not be able to figure this out. I get it. Tampa Bay is not a good team. Evans has struggled with this stuff. By the way, the cornerback was James Bradbury. I couldn't, uh, I was blanking Bradbury. on his name. Yeah. Um, like, Evans is, um, he's still among the top 10 in terms of overall targets this year, but he's easily got the worst. I, I, I take that back. He has. Not easily the worst. Actually, A.J. Green and Antonio Brown have worse conversion rates. Uh, although, if you look in the short term, that's going to be uh, Evans. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I just This is a thing where Tampa Bay, you're going to have huge upside on these guys because there are going to be games where it all gets kind of put together. And then you're going to get the – although the, the one catch on 10 targets is really something you don't see every day. All right, but you are going to Phoenix this week. Um, tell us real quick about what you are doing down there. Uh, this It's having to do with NASCAR, but just give uh, the podcast listener a quick update on what your plans are for Phoenix. 
Yeah, heading out on Thursday, and it couldn't be soon enough. Uh, it's snowstorm here in Saskatchewan right now, so can't wait to get to uh, sunny and 75-plus uh, degree weather. Um, heading down to the Phoenix race this weekend. It's a triple header, so we got the trucks, the Xfinity, and the Cup Series. It's the last elimination race, so the eight drivers down for the Cup Series. It's going to be eight drivers going down to four, going to the final race next weekend. So it's going to be pretty exciting there. They just revamped the track and put like $180 million in the last two years, so um, they changed things up a little bit. But what I'm, me and my family, we all got hot passes, so we're going to be spending the time down in the pits uh, all three days for the trucks, Xfinity, and Cup cars. So I'm going to try and do, uh, um, for my NASCAR this week, I'm going to do a video just kind of going over some picks, just live from the track type thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun and pretty excited about it, and I may never come home. Yeah, good for you, man. NASCAR has really hooked it up for you, and it's really just a testament about when you put time into something, other people do notice. In this case, NASCAR is the one that ultimately or originally reached out to Chris and said, hey, we want to have you start coming to some of our races. And that was because nothing – well, no, this is going to take this to the spirit of head. Because nothing else except you work your ass off doing stuff for NASCAR. So it is because yep. of something else. And uh, this is just uh, – it's always been a proof positive to me that if you just – Keep grinding on something and put your name out there. Uh, people will take notice, and then the, the, when that happens, you get to reap the benefits. So, buddy, enjoy Phoenix. I will talk to you again probably next week. Well, I'll talk to you offline, online the whole week, but we will talk to you again next week. Enjoy Phoenix. Anyone else can enjoy your week of football. We'll be back again for the Cash Game podcast on Thursday and then Game by Game pra- uh, podcast on Friday. Buddy, uh, I'll see you on TV in Arizona. <laughs> Green screens, everyone. Let's go. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.